This morning I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. While you're turning, um, <laughs> I was just thinking this morning after I talked to Pastor Bill, I think he's asked me maybe four or five times this week whether or not I was preaching today. And it's like the fastest way to get the pastor to sweat is uh, say you're going to preach and then don't give him the confirmation until the last moment. Nevertheless, I am going to speak today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we'll be starting in verse 9. The Bible says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds upon it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will still be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. And I just ask that you would have what you want to be spoken this morning spoken. And... uh, just help me as I try to deliver it. Help people to be receptive and hearts to be open. And we thank you in your name. Amen. Okay, so this morning I want to share with you a story. The past several weeks, actually the past few years, I've been dealing with this issue, um, a construction issue. Is anybody in the room a builder or in the construction business? I know we have a few of you. I've been dealing with this crazy issue, and it's just been on my mind. So the past few weeks, it's been coming to a boiling point, and I haven't been thinking about very little else but this. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to make this part of what I have to talk about. It's been my life, so we're going to talk about it. But construction and building, my attic, I'm having huge problems with my attic because I had a roof put on four years ago by a master builder, a guy with a great reputation, Better Business Bureau insured and all the good stuff. But he put on the roof, and he's the one with the experience, right? So I'm paying him for his expertise. Well, he neglected to do something crucial. He neglected to vent the attic so that hot air, Dan's shrieking because he knows what that means, hot air can't escape the attic, so it's just like a furnace in there. And that also adds different problems when it gets cold outside, especially when we have a harsh winter. You've got condensation. You've got wood starting to rot. You've got frost. I mean, it was even snowing, almost snowing in my attic. So I have this huge problem, right? And I've just been, man, trying not to be anxious about it. But it's been on my mind. So I'm thinking a lot lately about building and what is required to successfully build something. What is required for a successful construction to be completed. And so that's been on my mind. So that's what I want to talk to you this morning about. What is needed and what has to be in place 
for a successful construction. It wouldn't be a stretch for us to say that the goal of any building, if we erect a building, the goal is for it to be finished correctly, first of all, efficiently, and then finally we want it to last. You don't build things for them to fall down. Even in America, we kind of have throw away, discard kind of mentality. But there are still those of us who build things to last. They take pride in it. And so that's where I'm going this morning. First things first, when I was thinking about building, the most crucial thing is that you have to have a proper foundation. Did anybody notice that almost all the songs this morning were talking about a rock or a cornerstone or a foundation? That wasn't by accident. I happened to know the, the music director, so I sent her an email. But uh, this morning, crucial, the foundation is crucial. You can't go anywhere until you have a, a solid bedrock to start upon. The Bible is full of all sorts of examples of this. I have like four or five sermons that I could preach out of what I'm thinking about. It's so difficult to boil this down. So this morning we're just going to be we're going to be flying around in the Bible. Um, lots and lots of good examples about how God is the master builder and about how the foundation is, is crucial. So first of all, I wanted to give you an example from history. I like to read through some history things every once in a while. A classic bad example of construction. Anybody think of one? How about the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Horrible example of bad construction, bad planning. Uh, if you know anything about that, you've probably seen it in the textbooks. It's supposed to be in a cathedral. It's leaning, right? Well, if you ever Google the history of that building, it's, it's pretty fascinating. They had to stop construction several times over a period of hundreds of years to try and figure this thing out. And they brought in all the wisest minds to try and fix it and overcorrect it. Well, they come in, they overcorrect it, and then it leans even more because they weren't expecting something. And so for hundreds and hundreds of years, this thing has been leaning worse, worse, worse. Finally, they closed it all off to tourists and everything, and they had to excavate the base. That's fascinating. Excavate the base, and they had to shore it all up. So now it's permanently but safely leaning. Uh, before, for hundreds of years, it was not. It was pretty precarious. So that's a terrible example of construction gone wrong. How about a great example? Can anybody think of one of the most lasting human-made buildings that has lasted longer than any others? Anybody coming, things coming to mind? You think of anything from American history, world history? How about the Great Pyramid? The Great Pyramid at Giza is trying to think of the most lasting thing made by human hands on this earth uh, when I asked my wife for some helpful hints about the pyramids, I said, what do you know about the pyramids? Can you help me with this? She said, well, weren't they built by the aliens? And I'm like, what's in your coffee? That's no... Okay, thanks for the help, uh, but I'll, I'll see what Wikipedia has to say. The Great Pyramid of Giza, also known as the Pyramid of Khufu, or the Pyramid of Cheops, is the oldest and largest of the three pyramids in the Giza necropolis bordering what is now El Giza in Egypt. It is the oldest of the seven wonders of the ancient world and the only one to remain largely intact. Scientists believe that the pyramid was built as a tomb over a 10 to 20 year period, concluding around 2560 B.C. Initially at 481 feet, the Great Pyramid was the tallest man-made structure in the world for over 3,800 years. Computer calculations indicate 590,000 stone blocks, some weighing over 70 tons each, were used in the construction. 
the area at the base, the base area, the square on the bottom, covers 13 and a half acres. Each side has an area greater than five acres. Many theories have been proposed about the building, but it still remains a mystery. Okay, so an example of amazing architecture and building, the Great Pyramid. Then I thought of, uh, you know, I used to be a, a first grade teacher, so I thought of children's themes. Are there any examples in children's literature about building, a good example of building? How about the three little pigs? Anybody remember that? I would humbly suggest, now you can't, you can't pin this to me, but I think there is some scripture that's, the scripture's not based on it, but the three little pigs is loosely based on some scripture in the Bible. We'll read it in a second. But you remember the three little pigs, two of them were lazy, right? And they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They built it out of cheap stuff. They built their house, straw, sticks, whatever it was. And then that didn't stand the test. The third pig was smart, and he took his time, and he chose choice materials. And that one stood up to the test. In Matthew and Luke, in the Gospels, you can turn there if you want. Matthew chapter 7 or Luke chapter 6, there's two accounts. You hear of the story of the two builders. Okay, Jesus has finished his lesson. He's, he's been speaking to the people. And then he likens, say, okay, so I've told you all this good stuff. If you listen to my words and you do what I've told you, then I'll liken you or I will compare you to a builder who builds his house on the rock. The rain descends, the floods come. The winds blow and beat on the house, but it does not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everybody who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Don't quote me on that, but I think the Three Little Pigs has has something in there. But those are prime examples of... Good versus bad. You have shoddy workmanship. You have cutting corners. And then you have contrasting that to a person who doesn't take the easy way out, who builds and does it the right way. So this morning, before we go any further, I want to clarify to you what that foundation is. That kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? We're in church this morning for one reason. Christ is the cornerstone, the foundation, should be the foundation of our lives should be the foundation. He is the foundation of the church, the ever-growing church, and the kingdom that is being built. So I want to clarify that, and I want to talk about what the Bible has to say about that before we go any further. Psalms 118, verse 22. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone is the most crucial block. If you don't get it right at that moment, everything else is going to be off. If you're off... One sixteenth of an inch over a hundred yards, you're going to be off inches, maybe feet, depending on how, how long the building is. has to be precise. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Therefore, says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. How about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 through 22? Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God and the Spirit. How about the hymns we, we sang this morning? The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord. 
She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. How about the solid rock? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And think about those lyrics. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, the most tempting thing to build my life upon, but instead lean on Jesus' name. Nothing else, not my idea of Christ but Christ alone, what the Bible has to say, his own word. That is our cornerstone. So, once I got that clear, what does a builder need? And this is where I've been thinking about, like, I'm going to draw some comparisons between a, a normal builder on earth and then God as a builder. So the first thing I said, what is required? What is required? If I ask some of you who do this for a living, what do you have to have first? Dan. Foundation, that was a trick question. I tricked Dan. What do you have to have first? You have to have skill. You have to, you have to have the skills, right? Okay, you can have the, you can have the foundation, but if the builder has no skills, uh, (laughs) you're in trouble. I heard a joke. A guy comes into like Carter Lumber and he says, I just got hired to build a house and I need some four by twos. The guy at Carter's like, you mean two by fours? Mm, I think four by twos. I'm pretty sure that's... Hold on a second. He goes outside. Comes back. Yeah, you're right. I need two by fours. Two by fours. He's like, all right. Well, how long do you want them? Guy's like, hold on a second. Goes outside. Comes back in. I think we're going to need them for a long time because we're building a house. (laughs) Is that the kind of builder that you would trust? Somebody who doesn't have the skill? Uh, The answer is no. (laughs) Had I known that the, the roofer who was going to do my project, wasn't as skilled as I thought he was, I probably would have shopped around. But a builder needs skill. How about God's resume? This is fun. I had some fun doing this. God's resume. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's God who works in you. He's controlling it. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. God, who made the world and everything in it, since He is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but He who built all things is God. And then this last one's my my favorite of the group. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Listen to these words. For by Him all things were created, that are in heaven or on the earth, both visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Does it get any more final than that? God's resume. He's qualified. He has the skills. The second thing, we talked about foundation, we talked about skills. What I think a builder must have to get started. You have to have vision. You have to have a plan. Blueprint, uh, we might call it. You guys remember phase two when we had the, the big poster up here with the blueprint? We were able to look at it. And how many versions did we go through? Three, three or four versions? It wasn't just a picture. It had specific technical details, measurements, instructions. That's the vision. God has the blueprint for both your life. He also has the blueprint for his kingdom that he's building. 
So I want to give you some examples of that too. Again, lots of scripture, but I just had so much. I wasn't going to leave it out. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. That infers that God has the wisdom, he has the plan, the vision. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? That verse is one that we often use like when we're talking about stewardship. Make sure you can count the cost. But it implies that if a wise person is going to sit down and count and make sure they have a correct plan, God does that too. He's above all things. He's above us. So he has a plan. He has the vision, the blueprint. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. He's talking to Jeremiah there, but that also spills over onto all of us. Before you were born, I knew you. I knew the plans I had for you. This is something that is not by accident. Psalms chapter 138, verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. He will perfect that which concerns me. He has the blueprint for my life and for the kingdom. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. He has that long view, the vision. So if you have the skill, you have the vision, what do you need next as a builder? Mr. Bill, what do you have to have? I put people on the spot, I like it. You have to have stuff, don't you? You have to have materials, what we call it. You have to have tools. And that's what I lump those together, materials and tools. The right stuff you got to have. God's gear, what does he have that is able to accomplish this work? So I wanted to think about specific tools, precision tools, versus blunt tools, right? You don't use a sledgehammer to put in a trim nail. And the trim nail is this big. You know, you use a precision tool. God has at his disposal both and he uses both. Uh, I think in, in my own life, and in, in your life, I'm sure you can think of some examples. I've had something I refer to as my sledgehammer moment. Survived cancer. Didn't think I was going to. Nobody else really thought I was going to, despite prayer. I survived that. It was like a clean cut, a sledgehammer moment. What are you going to do from here on out? God used a blunt tool there. Precision tools in your life. A conversation with someone. A uh, sign you see on your morning commute. Precision tools, small things that shape the way you think, shape the way you act. But God has materials, and he has the right tools. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are being built up. You are the materials. Living stones. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's talking to his disciple. You are the rock. You are the materials. And he didn't say you're the cornerstone. You're the rock I'm going to build on, though. You're the materials. Jeremiah 23, verse 29. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? 
He has tools. We didn't mention the Word of God as his tool, the Gospel. That is the tool, the only one that, that he needs to accomplish his work. It's like a hammer, God's hammer. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, they make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So God's tools, what is he able to use to accomplish his work in your life? What's he able to use to accomplish his work, to build his kingdom, to sanctify us enough and get us closer to him, closer to the heavenly kingdom? Finally, the last thing that I I was able to think of that a builder needs is workers. You have to have workers, and you have to have diligent laborers. This one I thought about, too, because as I was arguing, I don't argue, but as I was arguing with the guy who didn't messed up my roof, tens of thousands of dollars, however much it was going to cost, I'm like, well, who's, who's responsible for this? And he said, well, my crew, you know, my guys, they don't know what they're doing, yada, yada, yada. You're the owner of the company. It's on you. It might not be your fault, but it's your responsibility, right? You're the builder. You're the master builder. And he wanted to give me excuses about how they had failed, and I had to fire this guy for blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all that made, I didn't care about that. But it did make me think, if you're a builder and you want to accomplish the goal, like we said way back at the beginning, you want to accomplish it correctly, efficiently, and lastingly, then you have to take responsibility for those things. And you have to have diligent laborers, not just people who come in and do the bare minimum. Again, I'm drawing ties between ourselves, between uh, the physical that we see, but being diligent instead of doing the bare minimum to collect the paycheck. First thought, God is the contractor. We get to work. He gets the credit. You guys ever thought about that? God's the contractor. He has the plan, the skills, the tools, the materials. He contracts this work out to us. He's still overseeing. But we get to work. That's it. We get the job. We get the paycheck. He gets the credit. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 15. Shall the axe boast itself against him who chops with it? Or shall the saw exalt itself against him who saws with it? The tool doesn't get the credit. The builder gets it. Um, That one really struck me. We should not be doing anything in our lives for personal credit ever. Um, God gets the credit. We just get to work. And then finally, God's hands. If you remember back from verse 9 in our text, it said, For we are God's fellow workers. This is 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and you are God's building. We're his hands. Again, he's the contractor. He puts us to work. So the building doesn't get built, whether it's our spiritual building. The kingdom will get built. But our spiritual building doesn't get built unless we're using our hands. We're actively employed. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, or also in Luke chapter 10, 
Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So as I wrap these thoughts up, I know I've been all over the place, but God is building his kingdom. Of that we can be certain. Whether we're going to be part of that building or not, it's getting built. He does this by building individual lives. And I think that part is crucial. We need to remember that. He builds the kingdom with individual lives, with choice stones. Remember the scripture said, living stones. He wants choice. He wants the best material. He doesn't want the cheap stuff. But he longs to work in your life, and he longs to have you be laboring alongside him. So he has the necessary skills. He has the blueprint. He has choice materials, those who have committed themselves to be that. He has the tools and the proper materials at hand, but he needs workers. Uh, So as I close this morning, I just want to ask you, ask myself, which category do we fall into from that original scripture? What type of builder or believer are you? How are you shaping your life? Are you actively building? And not only actively building, but, but using choice materials. Remember it said gold, silver, precious stones. If you are, you can look forward to a reward. It says, verse 14, if anybody's work endures, he will receive a reward. So that's one category. And if you're in that category, if you're actively building and have actively given your life, dedicated yourself to Christ, then you have that reward to look forward to. You also have the guarantee of what I'd like to call the warranty. (laughs) The Bible says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. Uh, You have that warranty, an eternal warranty. But then I think there's that second group that gets mentioned who may have believed they believe in Christ. They have salvation. And we're not talking necessarily about, I want to be clear on that, we're not talking about losing salvation. This group that is mentioned in 1 Corinthians, they're saved. But what does it say? Go back to verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And then skip down to verse 15. If anybody's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And I had to ask Pastor Bill, I wanted to clarify this. That's not talking about losing salvation, is it? And it's not, because Paul's talking to a group of Christians here in this letter. But what he is saying is there is a day. And if you look in your Bible, at least in mine, it had a capital D when it said the word day. That's a topic for a whole other sermon about the... The judgment seat. The day will declare it. That moment where God judges your works. So if you've been building with the choice materials, then you get the reward is what we're seeing here. If you've been building with things like straw, like the three little pigs, you know, cheap, cheap, cutting corners, focusing on other things, that stuff is going to get revealed. And that's, that's what we see here. So if you're in that group, I just want to caution you. We get a lot of things in our life that pull our attention. America is very distracted. It's not just America, it's the whole world. We have a lot of things distracting us. When I talk about stewardship, Dave Ramsey says, if you show me your checkbook, I'll show you what's important to you. If you show me your calendar, or if you show me your day planner, I'll show you what's important to you. I'll stop there. But 
just as a caution to you, the Bible is very clear that if you're in that category, you will suffer loss. And it says, yet as so through fire, which could be roughly translated to, with smoke on your clothes, singed, uh, you'll, you'll be judged, you won't lose your salvation, but singed. Is that the way you want to get into heaven? Kind of an interesting picture. Not the way we should be striving for. And then finally, maybe if you're not in either of those groups, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, should be the cornerstone of your life. Maybe you've never heard John 3.16, that God loved the world so much that he sent his son to die for your sins. And all you have to do is believe in him and you have everlasting life. Maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe you've heard it 10,000 times and you've sat there and you said, mm-hmm, and you've never responded in your heart. If you're in that group, um, you don't have to look far in the Bible to see what it says about people with that kind of mindset. But no matter what, Today is a good day to build on the right foundation.